Welcome back to the Weekly Driver Podcast. My name is James Rea. My co-host and friend is Bruce Aldrich. Today we have on Penny Gussner, and I've been receiving a lot of information recently from carinsurance.com with all kinds of different data, um, uh, best, uh, least expensive cars to insure, um, least expensive, most expensive t- states in which to insure your car. So we have a lot of ground to cover. So Penny Gussner, um, senior analyst, is that correct? Or did I miss, miss a word there? Senior consumer analyst, so close P- enough. Okay, great. <laughs> Thank you, Penny. Welcome to our podcast. Could you just, uh, would you just give us an overview of the two most uh, recent data uh, releases that you guys put out uh, in terms of cheapest cars to insure and the cheapest states in which to insure your car? Give us a good overview, if you, if you could, please. Okay, sure. Yes, we're, we're data nerds at carinsurance.com. Yes, so you are. Like- <laughs> yes. We like to dig in to see how much the rates are in various things because um, if not, insurance can be boring for some people. So you got to find some good highlights. Yes. And so one of our recent um, studies was um, finding out which of the safest cars are the most affordable. So we looked at the IIHS, the Insurance Institute for Highway Safety's, yes. um, safety, safety Plus picks, and then found out how much those would cost to insure. And then our other data point that we put out recently was um, revealing the cheapest cars to insure in every state. Yes. I like cheap. I like, we all like cheap. a cheap car that's uh, throughout all the whole country? Yeah, so which would you like to discuss first? What, what are some low-end low, low end or cheap to uh, insure cars, like a Camry, a Cord, I suppose? Are they on the list? No, I mean, they're, they're on there, but not for the cheapest to insure for each state because a lot of cars now that are cheap to insure are the crossovers and SUVs. Oh. Um, and sedans, for the most part, have kind of fallen off to like, like the 20 area, not the top 10 area of cheapest cars to insure. Um, and this is probably because uh, a lot of moms are now moving away from like minivans, even though I'm not, I have a minivan, um, to these bigger cars so they can get the kids soccer gear in there, their band equipment. So they're, they're driving the crossovers and the SUVs and this, they're driving safer because they get the kids in tow. And so that's really the reason we think those kind of cars seem to get the cheaper rates now. Does bigger, heavier possibly have something yeah. to do with it? Yeah. Um, we, we've asked other people in, in kind of in the umbrella industry of, of, you know, different surveys and data points and so on and so forth about their surveys and, and or, or data releases and where they go. So in your case, um, when this information goes out to the public or journalists or uh, auto manufacturers, what what kind of feedback have you had? If, if you can give us a couple of examples or people, do they take your information and did they, they market themselves with it if they've had a good report or do they get back to you guys and get angry with you if, if they don't get a good report yeah one time when we did um the car with the most speeding tickets uh the top one for that wasn't too happy so i won't mention them okay but for cheap, cheap cars jeep really likes usually being in the in the top of that and they will market it which is nice gotcha. jeeps are really high on on resale value Apparently, we just found out the other day. So, also, they're good for uh, cheap insurance. Yeah, and a lot of it's because they're easy to repair. Um, you know, that you can literally just take the door off and put on another one. They don't put a lot of the uh, mechanics in the doors. Right. Uh, 
I've just rented a few recently, so I know where like all the buttons are and everything. Um, That's it's great. It's kind of fun to to get in one of the cars I've been talking about for so long. Um, yeah, and so they don't change out a lot too. So those are things that make it cheaper. They don't have necessarily all the bells and whistles, even though they have you know added like the the backup camera now to the newer models. Um, so without the bells and whistles, you can get the cheaper car. And if people are driving it on the roadway and uh, not getting into a lot of accidents because insurers do look at the claims uh, statistics and usually it's their own internal claim statistics besides like what like IIHS might put out for safety to decide on the rates. Penny, how so, did, uh, I'm sorry, how do you, okay. uh, where do you get the data for this? The insurance companies are providing all this to who, to the government or how do you get the data? So we, we have a company, that, a data warehouse that we work with called Quadrant Information Services, and they do with some um, insurers will just give them their information because they know that there needs to be a database to look at, and they want to see other people's. And then also ones that don't share, um, all insurers have to file their rates with each state's Department of Insurance. So for ones that they don't get the data directly from, they can go through and uh, get all that data from going through all the DOI um, databases. I used to work for the, de- the DOI, as you call it, the Department of Insurance in California. That's pretty boring stuff, I'll tell you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, your, yeah. No, but, uh, your data is not boring, but I just mean the business of insurance. Yes, that's why we have to make it exciting for most people because, sure. like, I'm an, I'm an insurance nerd. And, like, I find motor vehicle laws exciting and, like, the new insurance laws coming out from Michigan, the reform there. I find that interesting. But, yeah, you try that at, like, a cocktail party, it's going to fall pretty flat. Yeah, yeah sure is. Uh, Penny, I always uh, make a reference to consumer reports where people would say, well, if you, if you read a car review, for example, or the best lawnmower to buy or the best dishwasher, and you read it on consumer reports – Odds are uh, they're basing their expertise on objectivity. But when you read a car magazine, let's just say, and then you see an advertisement for the car in a couple pages later, to me it always, uh, a red flag goes up. So in the carinsurance.com world, um, uh, can the public or whoever looks at the data, is, is there any area in which uh, there's some subjectivity or the, the, the facts are the facts, and, and this is the, what gets presented. Does anybody ever question what you guys do? Um, not really, because the facts are the facts. We, I mean, we get the data from, from Quadrant Information Services, which is well-known. Yes. And uh, we, we just give the data, like, on carinsurance.com, we're a consumer guide. But we do have um, clients within, like, the insurance world. But us as editors, we never knew who was a client at the time. So we have... On like a sister site, insure.com, we have best insurance companies that we talk about. And some might be clients of our site, but as is editorial team, we don't know. So we gotcha. always are are just giving our, what the consumers that we talk to, we survey um, insurance policyholders, get their real um, feedback, and then, you know, give that out. Because, gotcha. I mean, I want to know, know as a consumer, too. I don't want it to be based on, you know who the client might be on our website. I want to know because when I'm shopping for insurance, I want to know where to get the best rates. You bet. I got on your website last night and I was so intrigued. I was kind of looking for insurance lately. And so I went ahead and got a quote. It probably took maybe 10 minutes, not even that long. I was amazed. And it came right back that, you know, no, nobody's calling me or anything. Your site just spits out the, 
the data at the end. I thought it was fantastic. But what was really weird was uh, like when I put in my address, it popped up. Oh, I see two cars at that address and it listed them. So it knew, you know, my car is with uh, another company. You're through your data, that uh, outfit that you said you get your data from, it, it gave the answer. I didn't even have to fill it in. Same thing with my house. I went for the house insurance and it knew what kind of siding I have, what kind of roof I have, all this stuff. I'm like, oh, wow. <laughs> it, it knew about your, more about your house than you did. You yep, know, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Where, where the closest uh, uh, fire department is and, and all that kind of stuff is, is pretty amazing. Yeah. Penny, how, how many, how many uh, years have you been doing this? And uh, have, is anything that's jumped out at you uh, in, in the recent announcements, whether it's gone up 15 spots or down 15 spots, is there anything that's been um, a drastic difference since your involvement? Well, I've been working in the insurance world with online with carinsurance.com, actually with, with the people that created the site um, 15 plus years ago. Wow. Um, you began when yeah. you were 10. That's pretty good. <laughs> exactly. Mm. Started early into the insurance world. Yes. Um, and then we have been tracking what cars um, are cheap to insure, which are more expensive. And for that, it has changed. Like I said, it used to be more minivans and sedans at the top of the list for cheap. And probably in the last three years is really when it seemed to switch over to mostly the SUVs and the crossovers, and even a truck or two usually makes it in the top 10 of cheapest on, um, on our insure.com site that, that does all the cars at the beginning of the year. Uh, and then the expensive, the expensive ones are usually, you know, the ones that you would think, the Mercedes, the Jaguar, the Porsche, because sure. they cost so much. I mean, they usually have, like, really good safety features, too, but safety features add to the price of the car. Yes. And thus, you're going to pay more to insure it. Yes. How about, in, 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 maybe it's a subcategory, uh, with the increase of hybrids and electric vehicles and cars that run on hydrogen and uh, all different kind of alternative fuel vehicles, how is that, uh, if it has influenced... Um, in a good way or a bad way, that the, the results of the, of the data? Um, as I say, we, we try to do a cut for, like, the electric and the hybrid. Mm -hmm. And there there's some, like, the Chevy Volt. I'm trying to take a quick look at the list. The sure. Kia Soul, uh, the Leaf. Like, the smaller ones of those, um, their, their nationwide average is lower than the medium average of, like, all the cars. And then, of course, the higher, the higher brand ones, especially the Tesla, have the, the higher insurance. Rates, but uh, some of them, you would think, well, they're better for the environment, this and that. But also, because they're electric cars, there's less made of them, less available parts, and all that. That to me makes it a higher price to insure because of the kind of specialty area it's in. Gotcha. Can you explain why I usually keep my cars till the wheels fall off, and so when you know this full car, you know collision and all. And the, maybe the car, when it's new, it's worth forty grand, and ten years later, that car is worth six grand. But my insurance rates never go down. Well, there's a few reasons. Because when your car is new, you first get a usually new car discount, which lasts for the first like three to five years, depending on who your insurer is. 
And it's probably just because it knows that you probably have more safety features. And because it's a newer car, you're going to take better care of it. Um, maybe not, you know, drive like a maniac until it's broken in. That sounds like Bruce. <laughs> Go ahead. Breaking it in or Breaking driving it. like a maniac? Yeah, both. Go ahead. Okay. Go ahead, Penny. Sorry. Yeah, no. Um, no. Um, my husband wishes he was a test driver sometimes in his cars. Uh, so that's one of the reasons. And then another reason is... Um, it depends on the type of person that drives your car. So if, if the majority of people out there are responsible, like the mom's driving the kids to school, they'll have lower rates. But if it's more males that drive faster, get more speeding tickets, and that's known about that car, it's more collisions, that'll keep the rate still high. And there's also the theft factor. There's a lot of cars, like the Camrys and Accords we talk about. Um, older, they're still expensive compared to everybody else, kind of in that range, to insure because those are the ones that are stolen more often. So you might have like the six-year-old car, but if it's stolen more often, especially in your area, then um, some of your rates are going to be higher. And I, I'm going to put myself at risk here. Oh, I should say full disclosure. I'm going to be 65 in a, in a couple of months, and I know my night vision is, is, isn't as good as it used to be, and maybe my re- reaction time is slower. But there are also people who say that, oh, you, you know, you really can't discriminate, for lack of a better word, against age. So what about car insurance and drivers as we get older? How does that factor in if it, if it does? I, I know it does, but has that changed any for, for you, the, for car insurance? Well, well, there's kind of the give and take. So if you're getting older and you know, like, you have your night vision's going and stuff, you might not drive as much or yes. you might work from home or you have um, part-time instead of full-time, you're going to drive less and the less miles you put in the car should help you get a discount of like low mileage discount. Yes. And you're still in the good range for age because usually in the thirties, like, you know, earlier on, if the state allows you to look at age, there's some, you know, there's stopping that. Mm-hmm. Um, the females are usually cheaper until about 30 and then it levels out and for a few years in the mid-40s, actually, males are usually cheaper than females to insure. And then getting older again, it gets to in the 60s, and it's really a 70 area where the rates start going back up. So it's usually kind of mid-lines until you get near 70. I and feel better. Again, I feel better. That's great. Yeah. And then the females are usually a little less, and the males are a little more. And it might just be because there's more males still driving, and the female is like in the passenger seat navigating. Gotcha. Bruce? Wow. I saw, or a little maybe off topic, I'll hit you up here, blindside you, Um, the best cars for teens. I thought that was an interesting uh, study that you did. Uh, Can you talk about that? Well, let me open up my page and I Okay, I'll I'll help you. (laughs) A couple of the things that were important were the the initial price of the car, and they wanted under $15,000. It had to be a top IIHS uh, pick. And it had to get gas mileage better than 20 miles per gallon. And it had to have a better annual repair average than, uh, than most cars. So those type of things that, and then, then you came out with some, some top picks for, for teens. Right. So for, for the, the top picks were the actually older cars, but, um, the 2014 Honda Civic, the GMC, and another Honda Accord, a Camry. And can you tell some of us editors here are going to have kids that are driving soon, so that's why we care a lot. <laughs> sure, <laughs> sure. Well, the Prius was on there for the Toyota, and then I saw like a VW Jetta, 
a Ford Fusion and a Mazda 6. So it was all these basic, uh, I guess they'd call be called compact cars. Yeah, basic and, transportation right. cars. A little older. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, duh, I guess that's kind of a no-brainer. There was no, uh, you know, Corvettes in there. Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, and I, think we, I think we got the list from Edmonds for that one, and then we just put how much the quote would be, um, especially by adding the teen onto the policy. Yes. Okay. Teen, yeah, I have twins that, you know, like in five years will be driving, so I fear for my car insurance rates at that time. No kidding. I'm going to go really off topic here uh, about twins. Um, there's a wonderful video uh, <laughs> I just saw it the other day for maybe the 15th time uh, from the actor Rami Malek. He, he, uh, he was uh, Freddie Mercury in the movie. I don't know if you saw the, the Freddie Mercury movie. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. But he has, a, yeah, he has a twin brother, and he, he was on a talk, uh, an English talk show, and he t- talked about having a twin brother and how he, uh, being an actor, he went to his brother's um, drama class because his brother couldn't do it, and, and, he, and he faked his way through the final test by reciting some Shakespeare play that he had done, and, he, and so he did it on his brother's behalf, and his mother was in the audience of this talk show, and she had never known the story, so it was, it was pretty funny when he revealed um, this story about filling in for his brother, to, so he, he got the points or the, the test results to get his um, theater degree from USC. It was, a, it was a very clever and fun story that he revealed with his mom in the audience, so just in case you want to have another twin story, I'm sure you have plenty. Um, uh, yeah, fortunately, unfortunately for my twins, but fortunate for me, they can never do that. I have boy girl. Oh, good. Well, that's that's great. And so far, she's blonde and like three inches taller than him, and he's a redhead, and really waiting for that growth spurt so he won't be the short one. Gotcha. Okay. Well, the, my my analogy won't work. But sorry about that. <laughs> or my my example won't work. So jumping over into the states, um, we're getting back on topic. Sorry for my little diversion there. Um, what what has um, surprised you, or what what would you like to share about the the states? Um, I, I'm going to make some guesses. I didn't really look at the the the, the information in any detail, but um, I would imagine that states that are uh, with open terrain and have less population must get high marks. Ding ding, you win. Um, yeah. <laughs> okay. We're done. Here. We're done. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> Go ahead, Penny. Yeah, I was going to say states that have the, the lower population, uh, like Maine. Maine's always seems to be one of the top ones. And Idaho, Iowa, where you, you don't have the massive cities like you do here in California, um, have the cheaper uh, rates for the cars. Is it? I, I thought it was interesting because I know, like me personally, kind of, Playing around with the idea of leaving California, and so we have a couple of states in our in our head where we might like to go to, and it's fun to get on your website and plug in those uh, various zip codes and see what the rates might be before you get there. Yeah, exactly. Do you we get... also have a cost of living one, so you can see how much you need to make in the new states on our insure, our sister site, insure.com. We, we have brand new cost of living one on there. And I like playing around with that, too, because, yeah, in California, everything's expensive. You're like, what could I do if I'm in North Carolina? Yeah, right, yeah. right. We, Yeah, we've, my wife and I have done that, too, lately, looking at different states. And there's a lot of um, considerations, of course, uh, as you get to be, I'm just going to say middle-aged, but not children <laughs> but and not too many relatives. But it's it's there's some big decisions to be made, and 
some of those other states look uh, pretty appealing uh, compared to California. Yes, we're 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 not having a good way in Northern California right now, at least in my opinion. Um, yeah, and you and you really do need to look at the states because you think like someone like Wyoming, you're like, oh, it's it's pretty open. Uh, the towns are smaller, but they they have like higher rates than you think because I guess the people that do live there want to get quickly between places. Ah. Uh. They crash a lot, huh? Yeah, for because the, the for the population there, they have higher um, um, accident rates than a lot of other states. I've driven a lot in Colorado and on some of the uh, open range areas, and it always cracks me up when I've done that. And you, you you turn the corner, and you have to kind of be prepared because there's you know twenty or thirty cattle walking <laughs> casually, making their way across the road, and so I imagine. Maybe it doesn't come into play all that much, but probably sometimes you have to be yeah. aware that there's cattle out there, and it's it's beautiful to drive on some of those roads. It's fantastic, but to see a, a cow in front of you or a big steer in front of you, that's that's quite different than we'd have here. Yeah, I did that. I uh, get out of the big city, and I'm going up in the mountains, and what do I do? I hit a deer, so yeah, there's always danger. Uh, yeah, maybe they need to send some of the self-driving cars there to see how they do with um, a cow all of a sudden in the road. <laughs> it's funny that you mentioned that because uh, I'm, uh, as a journalist, I'm working on some autonomous uh, vehicle stories, and I was unaware that there are about 200 companies now, uh, many of which are in Northern California, that ha- who have patents in the autonomous uh, vehicle in, uh, area. I thought 200 and some odd, 232 companies are involved and I think oh my gosh it's uh it's the future's now and it's going to be here within the stuff I was reading within the next couple of years are going to go to the next level whatever that level yeah, is four, four years ago it was supposed to be two years they'd have it yeah we'd, we'd be all be driving we all be and driving now we can see how far off they really are all not I, even close yeah all I can think of is the movie AI you know which was that was never going to happen but now it's going to happen um <laughs> all right, do you guys have anything in that in that particular uh segment do you have a uh, uh, anything you can reveal to us about autonomous vehicles that you might be doing something with or any in any other areas? Or is it is mum the word? You can't say anything right now. <laughs> we don't really have. We, we do surveys and just get what consumers think about self-driving cars. And so far, it's, it's still the majority saying they don't trust them. Right. And we ask parents, too, like, um, would you trust them taking your kid? And it's mostly like, I think it was around like 68% were like, no, I would not let a self-driving car I'm with them. I'm with them. Sure. They got a way to, they got some development time to go. Yeah. Uh, I would, I would, I would just like some more features in cars for like when my kids start driving the self merging onto an LA freeway. That would be awesome. (laughs) I read the, I read, um, yesterday, as a matter of fact, that the, uh, double ARP people of my age and Bruce's age, uh, or soon to be, uh, my age, uh, there are classes now in Michigan uh, that the AARP provides where you, they'll have a, a, a modern car that, let's say, has 65 things that will, it will do, and then the average person might use 17 or 18 of them. But you can go to these classes, and they'll take you through the car and teach you about the modern technology uh, of, you know, from anything from rearview mirrors, you know, to all kinds of bells and whistles that go off for no apparent reason. So I, I guess it's become quite a big concern of, uh, of um, oversaturation, uh, oversaturation of, of technology where people just, you know, give me a damn simple car to drive and I'll do fine, but there's too much stuff. Yeah, 
I I think that sounds like a great class for any age. Yeah, I, I just I just got the release yesterday. Um, in in other worlds, in, for what you do in in cars, have you seen any trends that you can discuss? Uh, anything that's that maybe not come readily to mind to the average person who just has a couple of cars or one car? What's what's out there that the consumer should be concerned about? Uh, if you have an opinion on that. There's necessarily concerns. I think everybody needs to always, like you're saying, maybe think of the discounts because going to a class like that, you might not think about, oh, I need to tell my insurer because I might be able to get a discount because of attending a class. Yes. Um, anything like that is wise to do. And with all those bells and whistles, like I said, I'm on the discounts um, thought wave right now. Um, that's the thing that, that the insurance companies are slow with. Like you might buy one of these new cars and you have all these things functions and maybe you actually know how to use them all which would be great but to insurance company they still haven't got their internal data to prove that um all these new safety um improvements and technology has caused their claims to go down gotcha so for for that we're still not seeing the discounts that you you would expect you know since we're, we're several years into having you know some of these um new technology, but I'm not sure if it's because they're afraid some people turn it off and so don't want to give a discount because, hey, maybe people aren't using it even on there or just that they really are this slow getting their data together to prove like, okay, this one, you know, cars that we, we've insured with this function really are showing that there's less, you know, side collisions because now they know there's a car next to them. Um, that's one of the surprising things because you'd think like, oh, I'm going to get a big discount and the insurance companies are super slow. Um, I'll say they're slow. Oh, they're really slow. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> yeah, when ABS brakes started coming online, that was like the end all, you know, discount. That was going to be wonderful. And then airbags. Oh, that's going to be great. Saving lives and, you know, and those, saving claims. And it's like nothing ever happened. No, yeah. no, those discounts are still around, which is funny because we always kind of laugh, like, okay, the airbag one is still there. In some states, too, there's still, like, a seatbelt, like the automatic seatbelt, which I don't know any car, I guess, that has anymore. There's still, like, a discount on the books for automatic seatbelt. Oh, my gosh. So we're going to put you on the spot, unless uh, I'm going to put you on the spot one more time. <laughs> Since you're an expert in this area, and you mentioned that you have a husband and two kids, uh, twins, who within a few years will be driving. What cars or what car or cars do you and your husband own? Well, what we own and what we wish we could own are two different things. I'm in that club. I'm in that club. Yeah. But I actually have three kids. I have an older daughter too. Oh, okay, so I great. Min- yeah, I have a minivan because you got to get the kids and their friends in it. What My kind of? Mi- what are we talking about here? A new minivan, an old timer, or what? What? What are we talking about? It's about five, six years old. Oh, you're not going to tell us what it is. Chrysler <laughs> no. Pacifica. Okay. 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 Fair enough. Um, and my husband has a sedan, which we had to find at the time, you know, we had the twins were both in bigger seats and yes. my daughter's on a booster. So we, had, that one I'll tell you, the Mazda 6, because it's hard to find a car that's a smaller sedan he can commute with that could fit all that. Gotcha. Um, that's a good choice. They're nice yep, cars. Yep. They're great cars. But I will tell you too, my husband's super sad because to buy the minivan, um, we had to sell his 1988 Porsche. Oh, um, oh my gosh. And now it's going, up, it's going up way up in value. It's convertible. It was our Zoom Zoom car. So to this day, he's like, I wish I had that Porsche instead of your minivan. And I'm like, I could not drive them to school in the, in the Porsche. No, but well, if the top was down, he can stuff a lot yeah, of just, kids back just there. Yeah, just put one on the other one's shoulders. It'll be fine. <laughs> you, uh, well, he can always, you know, as uh, 
time goes by, I'm still talking about having an Aston Martin, and I've never had one. I may never have one, but it's it's out there to aspire to. I think, yeah. Yeah, my 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 husband's definitely a car guy. He's the one who's always searching for cars, and people are always like, "Are you looking for a new car?" I'm like, "No, no." He just thinks he, he might find the perfect car, and then we might buy another one. Gotcha. But, no, he's looking for like the bug-eyed Sprite or the perfect like 1970 914 Targa. Oh yeah. So all the safety features. Yeah, yeah, he'll have a lot of safety <laughs> features there. Um, well, uh, Penny, thanks for um, have, spending the half hour with us, and um, you obviously have a great sense of humor about things and in a, a subject that can be kind of dry, but. Um, your, your interest, um, comes through in the interview and, and you have a, you know, wealth of knowledge and we encourage people to go to your site. Um, as we've gone to other sites, I didn't know some of these were out there and, and there's just so much to see and take in. So it works well. I did, like I say, I very did. efficient. Yeah. yeah. So we, wa- we, we want to thank, um, Penny Gussner from carinsurance.com for being our guest. We've gone through some of their data. Uh, least expensive cars to drive and least expensive states in which to drive those inexpensive cars, if I said that the right way. So thank you. Thank you again, Penny, for being our guest on the Weekly Driver Podcast. We appreciate it very much. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Okay, take care, Penny. Bye-bye now. Bye.